We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. So the, the couple that gets the trophy for traveling the furthest today is for England. Thank you for being here today. I've had all kind of comments about my shirt. Some people thought it was a sofa. Some people thought it was curtains. All those who said it was curtains, that's correct. No, it's um, different. It's one of those things, you either like it or you don't. My wife likes it, so I like it. Time to get into the Word today. I've been talking about the empowering lifestyle, the empowering God that we have, and how He empowers us to live victorious. Today I want to talk about the empowered God. We, we know a lot about a lot of things. We can Google everything, ask Alexa, ask Siri, but very few people today are asking God. He is the fount of all wisdom, and yet very few people are asking God. If you have your Bibles today, turn to Acts chapter 11, verse 22. I just want to read one verse. It said, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. <clears throat> Father, today, over the reading of your word, just reading your word is powerful because your word is powerful, pulling down strongholds. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It would divide spirit and soul, bone and marrow. And God, I pray today, the Lord, something that is said that will pierce the hearts of everyone here today. Let your word last forever in us. I ask these things in your precious holy name. Amen. Amen. There's a great movie that I, I love called Chronicles of Narnia. I mean, watch that movie. There is a character in this Chronicles of Narnia named Aslan. And Aslan is this great lion. He is a, a type or a symbolic of Christ. We know that in this movie, he dies in place of a child, raises from the dead. And, and there's a young girl there named Lucy. And there's a boy named Eustace. And Lucy is trying to explain Aslan to Eustace. And, and she's trying to explain it, and she's explaining him in such a way to where Eustace says, oh, if I, if I ever met him, I would probably run away in fear. And, and she says, no, if you, if you ever met him. Wow, have you met him? And then she says this about Aslan. He asks, is he safe? She says, no, Aslan is not safe, but he's good. He's not safe, but he's good. Two equal yet opposite statements. A lot of people today want a safe God. 
I want something that is safe. I want something that is stable. I want something that secures. We want safe cars. We want safe houses. And now we want a safe church. I just want to go to church and feel safe. Well, I got good news and I got bad news. God is God. He is supreme God. King of kings and Lord of lords. But He is not safe. He's all good, but He's not safe. He is not the kind of God that will leave you without convicting you. He is not the kind of God that will leave you without rebuking you. Well, we don't like that word. I mean, say it, rebuke. It just sounds horrible. We don't want to be rebuked. We don't want to be convicted. We don't want to be reproofed. We don't want to be disciplined. And yet, these are the words... That God wrote to Timothy through Paul. And he said the scripture is there to do what? Reprove, rebuke, correct, discipline. So it's not a safe God. But he is a good God. So this is not a safe church. Because in this church I pray that if there's any sin in our lives. We will feel conviction of the Holy Spirit. I pray that if we need to be corrected in any way, that God, through His Holy Spirit and His Word, He will correct our lifestyles. But today, people want safe. I just need a hug. God will give you a hug. I'll give you a hug. But at the same time, I'm good. But I'm not a safe pastor. You know why? Because I love you. And when you love people, and when God loves you, a good father sometimes has to give correction. So if you want God to be a part of your life today, you have to understand, I take both opposites and put them into my life. I accept that He's a good God. I want a good God. Don't you want a good father? A good father knows how to give good gifts to his children. I want a good dad. But at the same time, I've got to realize he's not safe. He is not safe. He's unpredictable. And that's scary sometimes. Sometimes God will scare you. He scares me. Jerusalem was a great church. And they heard about all the things going on. And so they decided we're going to send Barnabas to Antioch. Antioch Church was doing a phenomenal job. They, they were winning people to the Lord. They were, they were helping the lost, the needy. And they were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, it's a powerful, ongoing church. And when Jerusalem heard about this, they go, we're going to send Barnabas to Saul. Barnabas was, was a great man. He was a, called the son of encouragement. Don't you want a pastor like that? <laughs> I mean, we need somebody to encourage us. But then Saul comes along and he's going to be the antithesis, you know, of of Brother Barnabas, and, and he's going to kind of light a fire. He was very, Saul was a very intelligent man. So they send these two. 
in their lives all of a sudden changed. If you want the God of empowerment in your life, you have to accept that He is going to be a God of change. God will never leave us where we are. He changed the direction in, in Saul and Barnabas' life in an instant. He's changed the direction in my life and Sandy's life in instances. She's been with me for well over 30 moves in our life. Most of them while we were in universities and seminaries. Because when we were in seminary, we were like dead, dead, dead broke. Anybody ever been there? So every time an apartment complex had a, had a special on, like one month free rent, if you stay here for three months, we signed up and moved. <laughs> and moved, and we moved, and we moved. And, and we've always accepted change in our lives. But what I found out with the churches that I've pastored is that change is something most churches don't like. We don't want change. We want safe. We want a safe God. We want a feel-good, secure, safe place. But don't change anything up. One Sunday morning at our church in New Mexico, we about made, I mean, you would have thought blasphemy had happened. But they walked into the auditorium and there were tables set up everywhere and chairs around the tables. What? It's happened into our church. We don't like change. Those who are change agents tell us that change is always resisted. We don't like change happening at our work. We don't like change happening in our houses. All of a sudden your wife watches HGTV, you come home, and you got a purple wall. What? Your wife goes shopping and all of a sudden she comes back with a shirt like this. It'll look good on you, honey. Okay. Sure. I just have to stand in front of everybody and, and all the people who watch throughout the world. But it's okay. Change. God is a God of change. He's constantly changing things. The Holy Spirit is the author of change. God and the Holy Spirit are constantly moving. And movement produces change. And the church should be willing to change with us. We've got to be able to say, what is God doing today? I know there are many stories you can tell me of what God did yesterday. I've got stories to where we didn't leave church on Sunday night till midnight. When people were laid out in the Holy Spirit and we couldn't leave on Wednesday nights till 1 o'clock in the morning and people were just speaking in tongues and Spirit was moving and, and we had revival for six and eight weeks at a time and and nowadays things have changed. But we have the same Holy Spirit. And you know what He's doing? He's moving in people's lives. He's changing them. They may look different. They may smell different. The pastor may not have on his three-piece suit or two-piece suit today. But everything changes. And we have to say, God, what are you doing today? You see, uh, Barnabas and Saul went to a church that was changing something. God was taking them to a higher ground. Some people don't like high grounds. That's why it gets a lot lonelier up there. Because there's a lot less people up there. Some people don't like heights. I love the heights. Put me on a mountain at 15,000 feet and I am happy as I can be. 
Put me on a, on a trail that's just as wide as my feet are and it's a thousand foot drop. I'm happy. Oh, I'm happy. I love Moab, Utah. Get me and my wife in a Jeep and put me on a trail where I have a red hood and blue sky. It's a good day. I'm trusting God. Some people say you're tempting God. Perspective. I love hiking the Grand Canyon, going down, coming back. God is beautiful, but you better watch your step. You do that Kaibab trail, you better be careful if there's snow, because there's no forgiveness and mercy if you go over the edge. There's no handicapped rails there for you. You have to pay attention every step. I love when God puts me in places to where every step I've got to be careful. I want God to put you in a place in your life to where you can't just casually walk through a day. But every step you have to trust God. Because every step, if you're not careful, if you're not watching what you're doing, if you're not watching the words coming out of your mouth, if you're not watching the attitude of your mind, if you're not watching where you're going, you can wind up in a very bad I love it when God puts, because all my trust is in God. Every time we get into the vehicle to take a trip, we did this week, went up to Branson for the DMR, the minister's retreat. Beautiful drive. But this scripture comes back to memory every time. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But I will remember the name of the Lord my God. Some people get in their vehicles and think, I don't have to pray. I don't have to worry. It's safe. I've got side curtains, front curtains, back curtains that'll pop out. It's safe. Hey, listen, don't trust in chariots. Don't trust in your chariot. Don't trust in horses. Don't trust in anything that's man-made. You get in your car, you wake up every morning, you get out of your bed, you begin to say, God, I want you today, you're a good God, give me a good gift. But if it's not safe, God, watch over me today. Watch every step I make, every word I begin to speak out of my mouth. God, every choice, every attitude, God, help me today. Because God, you're changing and I need to change with you. God will change us and stretch us. There's a song that reads this, all to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. Do you really want an empowering God in your life? Because if you do, that must be your daily stance. Well, Pastor, I like safe. Can you tell me what's going to happen in the stock market in the next few weeks? No. I like safe. Can you tell me what's going to... I like getting up every morning, getting the same cup of coffee, my bowl of oatmeal, whatever it is you do. Get in my car, go to work, put in eight hours, come home, do this, do that. I love that. Good. But God is not always about you. He will come into your life and all of a sudden change directions on you if you're not careful. How many of you are here today and God's changed direction in your life? You're not where you thought you would be at this stage in life, right? Yeah. Just three years ago, I'd never heard of Ponca City, Oklahoma. The other day, there was a revelation to some Oklahomans here. We, we were having a great cleaning day here around the church, and the sun shined, and my vehicle was facing the east, as God always makes me draw up my park facing the east, because that's where it's going to be back. And 
On the front of my vehicle, there's a tag. It's a, it's a reflective tag. It's a Texas Longhorn tag. And when the sunshine hit that tag, it was an orange Longhorn on the sidewalk of this church. I didn't see it. People coming, Pastor, there's a revelation. There's a Longhorn on the side of the church sidewalk. I said, really? God is here. Stop. Yesterday I was driving home and, and I got a text and it said, Texas was up over Oklahoma. I didn't believe it. I really didn't. We've been beaten so bad by Oklahoma for the last decade. And then all of a sudden a text that they're tied up. I'm like, oh, we'll lose it. We always do. And then the text come back that the 48-45. And I'm like, uh, Oklahoma won. We, we, we got beat. And then Sandy goes, oh, I think you won some butts. Then I woke up this morning and OSU lost two and, and God's crying over <laughs> Things change. We accept change everywhere else but except with God. But Pastor, He's the same yesterday and ever. Yes, He is, but we are not. God is saying, I want to change you from glory to glory to glory. That verbiage in the Greek means this. There's a point where you experience change, but then that change happens perpetually until He comes back. We are never to stay the same. We are to constantly be changing in the power and the anointing of an empowering God who changes me every day when I wake up. He fills me with new strength and new courage and new wisdom and I leave my house going, God, I don't want to be safe today. I want a God who will take me to the edge. I want a God who will take me in places I've never been before and show me people I've never seen before and let me speak power into their lives because you've spoken it into mine. Change. A God of change. He's a God of change. He will also do things to get you to change. Wow. We resist it, but God insists on it. Here's what He will do because He loves us He will withdraw His presence from us. Wow. You ever been through that moment? I've been there where, man, I'm doing, I feel like I'm on the top of Mount Carmel, but I'm not Elijah. <laughs> man, I'm beating my chest. I'm doing everything. Everybody's ever told me, oh, this is how you get God's attention. Man, I'm walking. I'm laying down. I'm kneeling. I'm praying the Lord's Prayer. I'm doing it. And, man, nothing. Been there? And every time that moment happens, i got to stop and say, God, what are you wanting to change in me? You're getting my attention now. Because you see, if, if he does it, sometimes we just keep, we just get up and go through a day and don't really ask his opinion too much. We don't really get desperate. We've had desperate times in our lives, and, and this is not a, a time to where we go through the day normally. But if you're our neighbor... My wife, when she gets desperate, man, you better watch out. When she gets desperate, it's not one of these like shut the bedroom door and close the prayer closet kind of thing. No, no, no. She busts out in the backyard. She starts walking around the fence. She starts praying to a God of empowerment. Yeah. 
She starts declaring who He is. You say you're the God of yesterday, today, and forever that you never change. You say that you're my Jehovah. You're my Jehovah Rapha, my healer. You're my Jehovah Sinkanu, my righteousness. You are my Jehovah God. And today I call. And then she gets loud. Why? These are desperate times. And they call for desperate measures. God is not a, a safe God. He's good. But sometimes He'll cause you to be in a place where you go, I've got to have God. I don't want to go in there on Sunday morning and then just sing a bunch of songs. I don't want to go in on Sunday morning and go through the motions. I've got things in my life, Pastor. I've got things in my family. I've got to have God. And He wants to put a change in me to where I'm desperate for it. I want Him more than anything else in the world. And you know what that feels like. I've got to meet with God. Because you know nothing else and no one else will make any difference. He will change your routine. He'll change your desperation. People say, oh, I'm hungry. We Americans have never really been hungry. Oh, I'm desperate for God. Hey. You're desperate. You don't say it. <laughs> you act it out. Man, when I'm desperate for God, I don't need anybody to invite me to an altar. I'm running. But when I'm desperate for God, I don't need anybody to say, hey, let's, let's take a I'm Oh, I don't need anybody to tell me to pray out loud, man. I'm going after it. Because I need God. And it changes everything in my life. Yes, I do have days to where I think, oh, I do like you. Oh, Father, thank you for this beautiful day. It's such a great day. And hallelujah. Thank you for all your blessings in my life. And God, I pray today that as I go through this day, that, that you'll bless me and keep me and guard my children and guard my wife and guard our dogs and guard our house. And, and uh, amen. God bless you. Have a great day. <laughs> we have days like that, don't we? But I got to tell you, more than not, I've got people who say, Pastor, I need you to pray. Is that the way you need me to pray? Or do you need me to get on my face before God and say, God, today I'm bringing my brother and my sister. Your word declares in Hebrews that if we come bold into the throne room of God and lay our petitions at your feet, that you will take and you begin to get, meet our needs. And God, I need, I need, I need, I need. And all of a sudden I get a phone call. Hey, it's getting better. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God. Pastor, you're not going to believe what happened. Why? Because God's not safe. He's good. He'll take his presence from you to change you. Number two, he will take you to the edge to change you. Edge of the Red Seas. Changes people. Take you to the edge of a fiery furnace. That'll change you. You want to go in? Find the God of empowerment? Or hang out <laughs> outside? A little hot. He'll take you to the edge. Lions in. Do you really want the God of Daniel? Do you really want the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do you really want the God who heals you of cancer? Come on. Because in order to have a testimony, you've got to have a test. In order to have a victory, you've got to become a victim. In order to see God move in His miraculous way, you've got to need a miracle. People
people, I see people, oh, I want God, I want God, I want God. Then God gives an opportunity and takes them to the edge. Then they go, oh, God, why, 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 why? Why am I here? He's going, I'm taking you to the edge. Are you going to step out in the Red Sea by faith? Hold that rod over the water? You're going to go in the fiery furnace with I'll be there, but you've got to step in without me. You want to be in a Daniel? You want to be in the line? You want a big old furry pillow? You got to get in there first. And they're hungry. They're hangry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I could go on. It's been said that if you're not on the edge, you're taking up too much space. Life gets scary. <coughs> Life with God is scary. Because he doesn't give you all the answers. And we love safe. We love all the answers. We, we love to get into situations that we know how it's going to end. And we know how to get out of it. And we know the answers to everything. <coughs> God is not a God who gives you answers ahead of time. He takes you to the edge. He will also ask you for everything. Yeah, you want to experience God? I'll ask you for everything. Offerings being taken up one Sunday morning. Everybody's coming through. The rich people are going, ha, $10,000, Pastor. Great, thank you, man. The church needs that. Oh, he gave $10,000? i will give $100,000, Pastor. Watch this. Then a little lady comes through, gives one coin. Stop everything! She has just given more than everyone else. What? <coughs> Can you imagine the guy in the McLaren car drove it to church? What? She gave more than me. I gave a hundred thousand. She gave everything. You got a little boy with a lunch. He doesn't say, "Well, I, I could give one loaf." And a couple of fish, but my mom packed it for me. I'm going to get hungry later. No. they got This, this little boy has got everything. How much do we need? Everything. Now, he didn't know he was feeding 5,000 plus. But he gave it all. All to Jesus. I surrender. All to him I freely give. Because this God is not a safe God who says, you know what, I'm only going to ask you for whatever you can be comfortable with. I'm not going to ask you for something that doesn't take you to the edge. I'm not going to ask you for something that doesn't cost you everything. You may say, well, Pastor, what's it cost you? Everything. 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 All my plans, I gave them up for God. Sandy did not marry a preacher. She married a guy making a lot of money. And then one day I came home and told her we're leaving everything. Leaving a big job. Security. Wow, security. We got to sell our five vehicles, sell our home. And we did it all within a week. We left it all. You know why? Because that's the only way I knew how to respond to God. When he said, I need everything, I said, okay. All. 
He will ask you for everything. And today, I, I, I think that sometimes we shy away from an empowering God because we kind of get hung up on this. Look at this. Solomon, one of the greatest guys, right? Well, what the average was to sacrifice in his day was one bull or one lamb or one pigeon. But Solomon, being the wealthy man he was, the first year he comes in and he brings 1,000 animals. Can you imagine? And God says, what do you want? He didn't go, well, I need another, say, 10 times that. I need 10,000, 100,000 animals to make up for whatever. No, he says, I'm asking for wisdom. The very next year, he brings to God, I mean, two years later, two years later, he brings to God 120,000 animals to sacrifice. Wow. And some of us get hung up on a dollar. Some of us, when God says, hey, I want you to give me something, we get hung up on $10. What's going to get you to a place of not being safe? That's what God will ask you. What's going to get you to a place to where you fully trust God? Not the 401k, not your job, not your house, not your car, not your friends, not your family, not the church, not the government, not society. But what gets you to a place to where you're on the edge and you say, God, I trust you. I need you or I'm not going to make it today. God wants everything. Everything. Yeah. Everything. He asks you for everything. You know what? Do you really want the empowering God? Well, Pastor, I want to be able to pray and mountains move. Awesome. You know what that takes? I want to pray and make a difference in somebody else's life. You know what that takes? Giving it all. Stepping out and getting on the edge. But, but Pastor, I don't, I don't like doing things <coughs> in public. <laughs> Neither do I. You see, I'm a very much an introvert. Obsessive compulsive disorder. So bad, I like to call it CDO, just to get it in the right alphabetical order because OCD is not in the right order. And then God puts me to pastoring a church to where everybody in the church comes in and moves everything. And nothing's ever straight. The chairs are all messed up after y'all leave, and it drives me nuts. And there are lights that are out, and the air conditioning is not this and not that. And I'm like, God, why did you make me a pastor? He said, because... It's what I want. Not you. If you want an empowering God, you've got to be willing to say, God, I'll give you everything. God, I'll let you move me to the edge. I'm not comfortable here. For many years I've had people go, I say, hey, you want to do this in the church? Well, no, no, I'm not really comfortable doing that. Neither am I. I'm not comfortable doing anything. But I do it because I know that God will empower me to do it. 
As I preached last Sunday, God's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. He's not looking for aptitude. He's looking for attitude. Here am I. Send me. I stutter, 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 stutter. You're the man. You're going to be the voice of Israel. What? Would you stand with me today? We can give God all kinds of excuses today, church. I've given him some of the best I've had. I've stood in his presence and offered him excuse <coughs> after excuse after excuse. And then he just keeps giving me this verse, Romans chapter 2. There is therefore now no excuses. And I don't know, I don't know where you're at in life today. I don't know what's facing you and I don't know what you're going through. But I know one thing. The only way you're going to be successful going through it is surrendering it to God. Message. Join us anytime at pcachurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.